All right, ladies and gents, boys and girls, family, welcome back to the final episode of Highly Optimized for Season 1, the longest-running season in history. I expect a Guinness Book of World Records person to come up to me any moment now and give me the award for it. But I'm here today with Rachel Veritimos, my beautiful partner in crime. You know, Shlomo and I were going to do a part two to the one we did last week, and he had something come up last minute. And being as how I didn't want to skip a week, because you guys know how I am, I reached out to Rachel and she was like, of course, I'll be gone in three minutes. And I was like, fucking send it, right? And that's, I think, where we'll start this episode, right? It's like having solid people on your team, right? Whether it be a relationship, friendships, like it really does mean the world. You know, I've said for a long time, I'm not a millionaire or a billionaire yet, but I am ultimately rich by the people I surround myself with. And so, Rachel, it's amazing to have you here with me today. Uh, You know, it's funny. We were talking about what we were going to talk about in this episode. And I was like, you know, we're just going to fucking send it and see where it goes. And immediately I realized we're wearing the same shirt today. So she's got the sweatshirt kind of like long sleeve version. And I have the t-shirt version. And it was funny because I was putting this on right before I got on here. I went into my t-shirt drawer or whatever. And I was like, what shirt am I going to put on? I was like, oh, the unlearned shirt sounds good. And we do that a lot, right? Like, do we not? We pick the same food when we go out to eat. Like, tell me a little bit about that. How hilarious that is. Well, you love that. You're what I know. One of your favorite things is when we go out to eat, you love that we get the same things. Like if mm-hmm. I say I'm going to get something, you get it. And then it, then if I try to shift it, you're like, but wait, we're going to get the same thing. Or if you try to shift it, like, Bob, you secretly love getting the same thing as me. So who knows if it's coincidence? We also do like a lot of the same things, though. I mean, the way you portray it, it's like it's always me trying to get the same thing. But I remember, right, a <laughs> recent time when we were at Jimmy C's, right, the the Italian place. So mm-hmm. for all of you who don't know, Rachel's a recovering pasta addict. And uh, and so once a year, maybe twice a year, we, we, we go to an Italian place. Like, you know, these kind of things mess with me. But that's why we have enzymes, right? You got to live every once in a while. You got to eat the cake or, in this case, pasta. And so we go to Jimmy C's. And I'm like, hmm, what do I want? I'm like, oh, I want the pesto shrimp linguine or whatever it was. And you're like, I want that too, right? So sometimes it's Rachel copying me too. So adds the plot twist. It's true. We copy each other. But my point was, is Bub likes when we do it. So he likes to make sure it happens. So I will will naturally happen. Well, you know, we also finish each other's sentences. Yeah, yeah. Go with the PG version. We have another version we yeah, do, guys. Yeah. You guys won't get to hear it unless you're in person with us. But, uh, you know, it's pretty funny. You know, like, we've been together almost five years now. We can say it on here. Say the second All right, all right. All right. Well, I like to leave cliffhangers. You know, I like to give people Easter eggs that they can only hear when they're in person with us. But, guys, we started this joke a little while ago about how we finish each other's sentences, right? And we rehearsed it so many times that... You know, we can do it with people and it's funny. No one really believes it, but it is funny. And we finished one or we, (laughs) we started one that was, we finished each other's orgasms. Yes. (laughs) Hell yes. Let's talk about that for a while. In a good relationship, you got to have good sex. You know, there's some weird statistic I saw the other day that was like something crazy, like 40% of couples have sex less than once a year. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was like, that sounds like Guantanamo Bay punishment to me. And so talk about that a little bit. Like how important is sex in our relationship? Because I believe it's very important, but I want to hear your case on this too. 
I mean, I believe it's important in any relationship. It's a level of intimacy that you're not going to have with, will likely not have with anyone else except for your significant partner if you're in a relationship. Mm. Right? And it's the deepest level of intimacy that you can have. And the only way you can have the deepest level of intimacy and actually enjoy it and want to keep doing it is also through your level of communication and how intimate you are with communication. So really... Your sex life is just a reflection of how intimate you are with someone. You could have a friendship and yeah, that can be intimate, but intimacy can literally go as deep as someone. I mean, being inside of you. For lack <laughs> I of was going to say, but <laughs> you said it first. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what is intimacy into you, me, see, Right. And I loved when Paul Check said that because I was like, dude, that's so gangster. Right. And it really is true. And, you know, I think that for me as a man, sex for men is kind of strange because a lot of us grow up watching porn and a lot of us grow up masturbating. Like we find that button usually around 11 years old. At least for me, it was around 11. And, you know, I've learned over the past, especially like five years, how challenging that can be in a relationship. Like, you know, a lot of men are addicted to porn. I was never full on addicted to porn. I enjoyed it from time to time, but I realized what it was doing to me. And I realized that it wasn't leading to anything positive in our relationship. And so about two years ago now, I quit completely. And then also I quit masturbating too, because it was something that for me, it was like, well, you know, I believe highly in what people are saying with, you know, your life force energy gets exerted when you're masturbating or when you finish of any sort in sex, right? And so if I'm going to do that, I want it to be with the person that I'm with, right? The person that I love, the person I'm in love with, and that is you, you know? And so it makes it so much better too, because now like there's times where, you know, our uh, Friday night ritual comes and I'm just like wanting to like tear you apart, right? In a good way, in like a very consensual way. But it's a great feeling to have, right? As a man, like to really be craving your woman. And I think that this is where a lot of men mess up. And it's not like they're, they're intentionally messing up. It's just that speaking for myself, we were just misled. Like we were never educated on the fact that, you know, like what real love is, how to keep it going. Cause that's a big thing in order to continue having sex and have it be fun. Like you said, you have to have communication. We all like different things. And a lot of us judge ourselves on what we like, but at the same time, if we can't openly express that to our partner, then what the hell are we doing? Right. And you know, it wasn't that you ever had a problem with me watching porn, like it never really even came up. But I know for a lot of men, this is like a thing, right? Where like their woman or their partner doesn't know that they're watching porn, they're doing it, they then have that shame and guilt around it. It can be a really slippery slope, you know? And so I wanted to bring that up because I think for a lot of men listening, if you're having challenges in your sex life, it might be because you're masturbating too much. And also, if you do that, you'll get really fucking tired all the time. You know, if you're constantly blowing loads left and right, I know I'm being a little PG-13 here, but if you're constantly like, you know, finishing in the socks and things like that, it's a quick way to kill your life force energy. And for me, I have a lot of stuff going on. You have a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, it's not something that I'm willing to sacrifice. And, you know, I joke about this a lot. That, you know, men, we grew up masturbating a lot. Usually women usually didn't, right? Like not that they didn't, but like it was never really talked about. And now the roles are reversed where like men are being told like, hey, it's life force energy. Make sure you don't waste it. And women are being told like, do it eight times a day. Like it's like self-pleasure. And I love it for like the record. I absolutely love it. But it's just a funny thing that's happening right now where I'm like, wow, it's really cool how these roles are getting reversed, you know? And so, yeah, I know you've done some sexual development stuff uh, with Kim and Ami. And if you want to talk about that, this is a great place to do it. Yeah. Well, I first want to say is 
I actually think that people, guys, just think that they masturbate more than women. But, I mean, I started whenever I figured out the button, right? I forget when it was. Mm -hmm. As early as I can remember, maybe 14, 13, something around there. So I figured out the button. And girls want it just as badly, especially through all of these sexual development courses I'm taking. I'm finding that women are just as sexual as men. And I actually think that... It's just that women have been sexually shamed and sex has been thought of as a bad thing for so long. And women's relationship with sex has been so skewed throughout history that it appears that women don't want sex as much. And maybe they don't because they are literally traumatized from history. Like that was one of the biggest things for me. I remember my parents found me, found porn on my computer when I was younger. It was the most mortifying, traumatizing thing of my life. I will never forget the depth of discomfort I felt in my body. And so I stopped like doing that. I was like, okay, I'm not going to look at that because I don't want them to say anything. And also because no one talks about women doing certain things, women don't even know how to use their own body. We talk a lot more about how men can use their body and and yeah, the biggest thing I learned through the sexual development journey is that, and I found this fascinating, that like 80% of women are numb in their yoni. Their yoni is literally numb because it's gone offline because we have so much shame around it or we allow people in too quickly or like we're impatient with ourselves down there and not down there. Kim hates it when I say down there in your yoni. <laughs> It's about patience and respect, and that's been a big thing on me and you, yours journey because as I've been on the sexual development journey, I've been setting up a lot more boundaries for myself and being a lot slower with my body and with myself for the sake of awakening the yoni and bringing it back online. So, so yeah, it is a big part of our sex life. And it's been an interesting roller coaster because I got all this information and I'm the type of person who wants to do everything perfectly. And I take a very masculine approach and like, I'll do it all the time. Like, these are the rules, stick to the rules. And that actually was biting me in the butt. And it was once I let go of the rules that I'm starting to soften into it now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going great for sure. You know, yeah. Like, you know, I love that we're talking about this because, you know, I've said for a long time, I, I, even as a kid, I never, I never understood why it wasn't okay for women if they wanted to be, to be promiscuous, but it was okay for men to be, it just never resonated with me. It just, it literally never made sense. Like, and it still doesn't. Right. But now I think that it's becoming more streamlined. My name might not be the right word, but like, you know, just acceptable, I guess you would say that, you know, we're, we're equal, right? Like we both have these sex drives. And like you were saying, there's a common myth that women don't have a sex drive like men. Bullshit, right? In most men I work with that are having troubles in their sex life, it's that the women want sex more than the man does. And so, yeah. like, I've seen this 100% too. And I think it's a very big paradox um, for a lot of men because if you're not in a relationship, you hear this and you're like, what? How? Right? But a lot of times what happens is what I've found is that the man is actually less able to communicate his needs and his wants as well. And sometimes this happens, I mean, I'm not, I'm not generalizing, like it definitely happens with both sexes, but what I've noticed is that there's at least an even amount on both sides. And I think it all comes down to communication, right? Like if you had never told me you want to get into that sexual development stuff and that, you know, those things you wanted to improve and things like that, how would I know? 
right? And I think that whether you're male or female listening to this, it's your it's it's your duty and responsibility to communicate to your partner if you're in a committed relationship what you like and how you want to be treated when it comes to sex or anything else, right? Like because if we don't stand up for ourselves, we can't expect anyone else to. You know, we can't expect people to guess. And a lot of the times, a lot of the resentment that happens in relationships is, you know, someone wants to do something, whether it's, you know, sexual or whatever, and they don't communicate it, but they're just like, why won't my partner let me? And it's like, well, because you never fucking told them, right? And then by the time they tell them, it's like years into it, and it's either an explosion or it's just not what they've ever talked about. So it's shocking. And the other individual in the relationship is like, what? Why would you like what? Where is this coming from? And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, catastrophe mode. And it could all be avoided with just a little communication, you know? And, yeah, you and it's I funny, like, I was going to say, you, you and yeah, I yeah. have were communicative about sexual stuff from before we even dated. So we were really lucky yeah. in that arena. But I mean, I've definitely been in relationships in the past where I've had those thoughts of, wanting to try new things or try different things and being terrified to ever bring it up to them because it was never talked about. But, you know, mm. I think it also goes to say me and you are five years into our relationship and me and you had one of our biggest communication breaks in our relationship last summer, summer, 2021. And everything in our relationship shifted after that, because there was a block, there was a block of you're not communicating something to me, me knowing I was doing like me, like us both knowing there was an issue, but neither of us really feeling brave enough to talk about it. And so mm -hmm. then we talked about it and I really believe everything in our relationship shifted after that. Yeah. It was painful as fuck. Like one of the most painful conversations of my life, but it's in those painful conversations that you get the most growth and the most freedom and the most transformation. And I, and I remember you said when you went to California for your birthday, that when you like were to jack off or something, since I wasn't there, I didn't go with you. Or I think one night you wanted to jack off cause you weren't doing it anymore, mm -hmm. but it was like the weekend. And usually I, you and I like, you know, have plans and all this stuff. And I wasn't there. And you said that you just thought about me. And it was the first time in your life that you were like, I don't want to think about anyone else, but Rachel. And I truly believe we've gotten to that point with each other because we had that big conversation that was really painful. So even if you're really far into your relationship right now and haven't had certain conversations, yeah, it could be really painful, but also know that the most painful conversations in your life can give you the biggest reward. 100%. Yeah. And you know, like the last thing I want any guy to walk away from this episode with is like, don't ever masturbate. It's always terrible. It's objectively bad because it's not right. Like, but again, be intentional with it. You know, that conversation we have is like, wow, I really miss you. Right. Like, I wish you were here and I'm going to think about you when I do it, you know? And so like, that was actually a really big uh, revelation for me because the reason it was so easy for me to point out in you like, hey, I think you're taking this too seriously when it came to your sexual development is because I do the same shit with everything I do, right? So like, again, like Paul Check says, if you spot it, you got it, right? So like, you know, it's the equalizer right off the bat. So there was never a point where I was judging you or like being like, oh my God, this is like, what the hell? I've never experienced anything like this. It was like, I know exactly what she's going through and that's why I can see it. And that's why I know the second you would break through that and, and since you did, it's like a world of freedom, you know? And so like, you know, very similar to like I'm talking about, I imagine maybe there's a guy or even a woman listening to this right now who took what I said or what you said and they're like, okay, we're going to get so strict, but structure is great up until the point it becomes catastrophic, 
right? And so it's important to like, you know, be aware of these things, but also don't go to the complete opposite polarity. Like say if you're someone who's completely like if you're a guy listening to this right now and you're like jerking off all the time and you're like, oh my God, yeah, this is an issue, right? Well, what's probably going to happen is you're going to do a counter swing of never doing it. And then you're going to feel like kind of awkward about it. The middle way is the way every time, right? So whatever that means to each individual, because there is no objective reality, there's no objective right and wrong, but it just comes down to like telling yourself the truth, right? Like, is this thing that I'm doing, whether it's drinking too much water, whether it's eating the wrong food, whether it's, you know, jerking off too much, whatever it is, right? Is that thing leading to positive results in my life or negative results? And if you can tell yourself the honest truth when it comes to these things, not only is your life going to get better, but also you're going to move a lot farther, much quicker, because you know what, at the end of the day, you know, what makes us similar, right? You know, what allows us to connect as human beings, the fact that we're here to color outside the lines. We're here to be messy. We're here to get things quote unquote wrong because it's getting things wrong that we learn. I remember when I was a kid, my dad and I would play chess. And every time he would ask me to play chess, I'd get this like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to beat him. And I never would. He was like a chess master. And I would get so aggro sometimes, right? Like throw the chess pieces and stuff. I was like 12 years old. And he'd be like, right, you either win or learn. You know, it's in losing that you actually learn like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Like now I know that if he does this and I do that, he's going to get me in checkmate, right? So, you know, from a very early age, my dad, you know, my dad was not the most spiritual person, but in the way he was, you know, and you helped me realize that too. You know, there's that example I just gave everyone, but but also when when I was a kid, I remember I was having trouble sleeping and my dad basically just told me in the most like non-spiritual way, he was like, he was like, yeah, you know, sometimes it happens to me too. When you go to bed, just like start at your feet and just tell like your toes to relax, then your feet to relax and your ankles to relax. And so I was like, okay, that sounds cool. And so I started doing it. And then I remember you being like, damn, you're so lucky your dad told you that. Right. And now I, it, until that point, which was like, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, I did not see that still as meditation, even though I was meditating, even though I was doing all this stuff. Now I hadn't linked them yet. And so I started realizing like, wow, my dad was kind of like a ninja of spirituality without ever like, you know, going to church or any of the things, which that doesn't equal spirituality. But, you know, there was like no signs logically that he was a spiritual person. Yet when I look at it now from hindsight, I'm like, wow, actually a lot of what he did was very spiritual. You know, when the recession hit and his business took a big tank, you know, he was like, well, you know, it sucks, but you keep moving on. And, you know, I'm still going to have fun. I'm going to figure out a way around it. And he always did, you know, and it's just, it's really funny now, like thinking about, because of course, like our parents are a big part of who we are and looking at that and being like, wow, that is like definitely my driver of just knowing like, okay, I get things wrong. I learn from them and I keep moving forward because, you know, once Pandora's box is opened, it's really hard to close it again. So I know there's no going back It's just keep going forward. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, I was jealous that your dad taught you meditation at such, such a young age because, you know, I I firmly believe that every child should be taught how to meditate and get into their body if they are before the age of seven because you are priming them with such amazing tools, you know? Like, I just imagine if all these kids grew up knowing how to meditate, what would their nervous systems be like? Mm. You know, how would they tend to themselves? Absolutely. I mean, it's, I think there's a lot changing in the world right now. Take out the think. I feel there's a lot changing in the world right now. Uh, I think anyone who is into any type of spiritual practice, whether it's actually spirituality or just doing something you love, whether that's chopping down trees or whatever the hell it is that you love, right? If you're doing what you love, I think you're noticing something in the world is changing where people are starting to wake up, especially after the pandemic to like, Hey, uh, I'm going to die one day. 
what the fuck am I going to do in between now and then? And I think that for a long time, uh, especially in like our parents' generations, that really wasn't the case. It was like, get whatever job you can, be safe, because again, their parents grew up in the Great Depression. So it's not like anyone got it wrong. It's just everyone was kind of living through their own small T trauma, right? Of like, when the Depression hit, it wasn't like, do what you love and you'll figure it out. It was like, are you going to have fucking food to eat, right? So I never look at like that generation as like, oh, they were stupid. They didn't do that. It's like, no, guys, they were surviving because that's what they learned to do. But I think we're in a different phase now where not only is there technology and ways in which we can make money that are a lot more broad, but also people are starting to wake up to the fact that there's just more going on here. And the fact that, you know, we have a very fragile existence, right? Like at any point, a meteor could come right now and annihilate us and nothing, we, we really couldn't do anything about it. Right. So I think people are starting to go, okay, you know what quality over quantity, uh, you know, if I live less time, but I have more fun, that's worth it to me. You know, where I think, you know, throughout antiquity, Maybe that was the case. I wasn't there, at least in this meat suit. But, you know, it seems as though over the last hundred years or so, things have shifted a lot. And I think it's fantastic. You know, I mean, us being able to do what we do and run our own businesses is a result of technology, is a result of us being able to take risks and these kind of things that other generations really couldn't, you know, because there wasn't these opportunities. So I feel very grateful to be living in this day and age. And, you know, I I say this analogy a lot. I actually think I said it with Shlomo the other day, but I'll say it again because it bears repeating. What I really feel like is an Independence Day where uh, they go to Area 51. I don't know. Have you ever seen Independence Day, babe? Have you ever seen that movie? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. So old school movie, Will Smith, like really cool movie about basically aliens invading the world, which is a whole other thing I'll talk about on this too. But, But basically, like the whole world is getting fucked, basically. And there's this guy who uh, is like the head of Area 51. And so the president visits Area 51 because they've known about the aliens for years. They have one of their spaceships and whatnot. So they go down there and the president is like all somber, kind of like, holy shit, the world's fucked up. So he goes down there and he talks to the head guy and he's like, dude, what's going on, man? Like, how are you hanging up down here? And the guy's like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? It's the best time ever. He's like, we've had the spaceship for like 30 years and we haven't been able to figure out how it works ever since these guys come. Now everything's turning on. We're so excited. And the president's like, what the fuck? That's kind of how I feel, right? Where if you look around, whatever you choose to believe, you'll find evidence for, right? So like, there's a lot of people that are like, oh my God, patriarchy. Oh my God, the world is going to shit. Oh my God, the financial crisis. I personally am just so excited to be alive during this time. I think it's so fun. I think there's never a dull moment. And for me, like, you know, I really think that, you know, it's just such an amazing time to be able to be here. You know, I think that when I look at a lot of our friends, right, like we, you know, three years ago, we quit the dispensary, which is crazy. It was only three years ago. And we got into coaching and, you know, we have certain views, let's just say about the pandemic. And so we traveled a lot during it. And it was interesting because I saw two different types of people. I saw the people that were buying into the whole fear narrative, right? Of like, oh my God, doomsday scenario, right? And then I saw the other people that maybe still believe the doomsday scenario, but they're like, fuck it, we're going to go out of the bank. Why not? Right. And so, like that type of thinking right there, I see now after th- after three years of that, right? I see now those people that bought into it, they're still kind of stuck in that fear state, but they're kind of just like going back to their normal life, like nothing happened. Whereas the other side is like so fucking empowered, like me, you, I imagine many people listen to the show, right? Depending on, doesn't matter what you got in terms of the thing or not the thing, right? But like how you viewed that event really said a lot about like where you were going to go in the future. And I'm only saying that because every single person that I've met that believed one side or the other is in that category. Now I could be totally wrong. That's just my anecdotal evidence, but that's what I've noticed. And it's what propels me forward is like, fuck it. You know, like we're all going to die one day, but it's really about what we're going to do when we're here that matters. And so it's really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's all mindset, right? And me and you have both grown so much, even from the first day that we've met each other. Like, there's just been constant up-leveling, and I really believe the people who feel empowered right now, it's because they decided to think as an individual instead of thinking with the collective and being mm-hmm. the collective fear. And, you know, I really see, they talk about this as the age of Aquarius. And when I think of Aquarius, it's about friends and community, but it's also about the individual within friendship and community. And I think of almost like the individual outside of community, but like cultivating the community for a better future and a better humanity. And so I think all of the people who were in alignment with the Aquarian energy, which is very much individual thinking, thinking for the future, thinking for community are the ones who were able to look at the pandemic in a different way than was being portrayed in the news. And then, you know, that way of thinking has now just propelled them into a whole, like me and you weren't coaching before the pandemic, me and you were in cannabis. I thought cannabis was going to be my life time. Like I thought cannabis mm-hmm. was going to be Same. my career for life. I would have never guessed this. I mean, cannabis basically is still your career, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Just in a different way, a much more fun way. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly what you were saying is, is very accurate, you know? And, and, you know, like I won't dive into the whole thing cause it doesn't need to be explained, but I think the, the golden goose, if you will, in this whole thing is just like, you know, you either had it happen for you or happen to you. And again, it's not my place to judge. It's not my place to say what's right or wrong. It is my place to say what was right for me. And it's your place to say what was right for you. And everyone listening, it's your place to say what's right for you. And what I always tell people is like, I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you got or didn't get. So long as you got it or didn't get it or believe it or don't believe it because you chose to believe it or not believe it or get it or not get it. Right. But like, I think the biggest challenge that I see overarching in the world right now that the pandemic put like a big magnifying glass on is people externalizing their power. And why can I see that? Because I did it for a long time. You know, so by no means am I sitting here on my high horse, like, oh, I've never done that before. No, I did a lot of that up until about three years ago when something big shifted, really that experience out in Las Vegas on MDMA at a strip club that I told in the story once again in the episode of Shlomo. But, you know, these events, like they really did change the entire course of our lives, you know, and, and I know for me, like that was the beginning of my awakening. And I would say like, that might be a little like weird to say, because I think it happened in stages. Like me interacting with cannabis when I was 16 was like a level of awakening. Me uh, realizing that there was a cannabis school near my house and asking my dad and him saying yes and paying for it and coming with me, all that was awakening. My father passing away was an awakening. Me getting into the dispensary was an awakening, you know, and then me leaving the dispensary was awakening. But I think that the biggest awakening I had was that one because it was the hardest one to swallow. You know, like starting this interact with cannabis and realizing like, oh, maybe I've been lied to a couple different ways. Like, eh, not that big of a deal. You know, big when I was 16, but looking back and I'm like, not that big of a deal. You know, all the other things like were kind of positive. The thing that was really interesting about the awakening in Las Vegas was that I had to accept and take ownership over a shit ton of stuff. The fact that I was numbing out my emotions, the fact that I was interacting with cannabis to do that, right? Which my whole identity at that point was cannabis in a different way than it is now, right? I had to realize that, you know, I had let you down in a little bit of a way, right? Just with that one event where like, I didn't keep track of time. And so like, you know, these kind of things, they were harder pills to swallow, but they were the biggest lessons, right? And just like you were saying, going all the way back to communication and relationships, right? Like the thing, the hardest conversation that you're not having is the one that holds your biggest opportunity for growth. And I think that's like, very similar to anything, right? Like if you're really afraid of an ice bath, 
that'll probably do the best thing for you when you get in there and you conquer it. If you're really afraid of deadlifting. I think it's like the things that excite you, but also scare the shit out of you are the ones that are the most powerful. Because when I think of a time when I was so fucking terrible, terrified to cliff jump for example i remember i was 10 i went to sleepaway camp and they brought us to this cliff jumping where it was 30 feet above water and i was terrified because i hate heights and i was like well i'll do it anyways because i'm a kid and maybe everyone says it's fine i did it i got the biggest wedgie it was pretty painful to smack the water i just remember i had all these thoughts yeah. as a kid and i was like that sucked i was like i hate that i was like it was <laughs> i hate that stomach dropping feeling i was like i will never yeah, yeah. ever do that again so i think there are scary things that are great to get the experience like got the t-shirt bought the t-shirt whatever yeah. but this you know, car climbed Mount Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get the sticker, the number sticker. But I think it's actually the things that scare the shit out of you, but also excite you so much that are the ones that really make big shifts for you too. Like, tell me, when you started Highly Optimized, it was really painful, it was really scary, but there was a part of you, I'm assuming, would you say there's a part of you that felt inspired and excited? Oh, I'm glad you're talking about this because I bet for every single person listening right now, exactly what I'm about to say about my own life is true for you. And I think it's true for you too, based on what you just said, where what happens in life as I found is that there's, if you want to call it the ego and the heart, right? Might be the wrong terms, but let's just use those two things, right? There's the head and there's the body, right? Or there's like the finite part of you and the infinite part of you to talk in more spiritual terms. And what happens is throughout life, at least if you're raised in a Western world, at least if you were raised like me, I don't know what anyone else was raised like, but the finite part of me had control. It was like this. If I start a podcast and I have a bad episode, oh my God, my life's over, right? It was like catastrophizing. If I play guitar, like when I was a kid and I started playing guitar, I would play for like six hours a day. And my dad would always be super proud of me. And he would want to show me off to his friends and they came over. But if I hadn't warmed up for an hour, I would like freak out and be like, dad, no, they can't see me now. I haven't warmed up. Like, I'm going to suck. Like, you know, and like, he'd be like, what are you freaking out about, man? Like, you know, and so like, that was the finite part of me preventing the infinite part of me from coming forth. Now, when you start a spiritual practice and that could be simply like doing what you love, whatever it is, right? As soon as you start saying yes to that deeper part of you, it starts getting a little bit louder. And every time you say yes to that part and you say no to that part, it gets a little bit louder. There's another way to say this too, right? There's an old, uh, I think, Taoist philosophy of like the two dragons, right? There's two dragons inside of you. Which one are you feeding? And so we'll think about it that way because it might be easier for people to understand. So like, you know, for me, what happened was when that ceremony in Las Vegas happened with MDMA and we had that experience, it's like the infinite part of me really started to have its voice. Like it was almost like I met it for the first time face to face. I had had whispers of it. You know, obviously it had been leading me throughout my life. I found things I loved. I ended up at a dispensary. I wasn't working in a corporate job. Like all these things that like I knew were not right for me. I was choosing, you know, to prevent me from ending up in a corporate job or things I didn't like. But it was like when that happened, it was almost like it finally tipped the scales, right? Where like it became 51% my infinite voice, 49% my finite voice. And now ever since then, with continuing to say yes to my heart, continuing to go adventure, continuing to do the things I want to do, it's tipped the scales more and more and more. So by no means is my finite voice not there anymore. I'm very similar to everyone that's listening to this right now and you as well. You know I go through shit still 100%, right? But the amount of times that I'm stuck in that hole versus the times that I'm elated are farther and farther apart now. 
And so I think that happens for, you know, I can say definitely it happened for me. It happens for the clients I work with. You know, the more that you say yes to the scary things, the more, but the things that you know, like some part of you knows like, dude, this is fine. Like, you're going to be fine. Like, like, it's almost like, okay, it's almost like this, right? Because, you know, I love analogies. So it's almost like you're watching a show and you're so like addicted to the show that the main character gets in like a squabble and it's like the first episode and you're like, oh my God, they're going to die. Not realizing there's like nine more episodes and eight more seasons after that, right? And they're the main character. So they're not going to die, right? So if you let that part of you, that's like, oh my God, you're going to die right now without realizing like, dude, like there's another part of you that knows there's eight more seasons in there, right? Like there's nothing to worry about. He's not going to die or she's not going to die right now because they're the main character. That's kind of like the analogy I would use for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. I think that's a great analogy. You know, I always just think of like the time that I broke up with my boyfriend because I had a huge crush on you, even though you had no idea I didn't make any moves on it. But like, I remember I was driving home and everything in my body was just like, like the excitement, even though is a weird situation to be in to want to break up with your boyfriend because you have such a big crush on someone else. Like it was super uncomfortable to do because it's like a huge risk. First of all, what I could do is blow up my whole life in that moment. If I drove, like when I drove to broke up with him, break up with him for all I knew, I know for all I knew, nothing was going to happen between us two. But I also think the biggest risks are worth losing things. The bi- mm-hmm. the biggest risks are worth like anything that comes out of it. If you didn't take that risk, you would have resented and thought, what if your whole life and you would have stayed more stuck. So even if you go forward with something and it is a lesson, how can you internalize, like, how could you then turn that lesson into the best thing that happens in your life? Like, thank goodness, like me and you, I, you know, we ended up hanging out and now we're together and it's everything my intuition showed me and all that. But, you know, I've hosted a retreat in Montana. My one retreat that I lost money on was my Montana retreat. And you know, I question now, did I make that retreat for my intuition or did I make it because someone at the retreat house mentioned it to me and then I had synchronicities around it. And so I convinced myself like it was right. Who knows? But what I'm take, what I took from it was I lost a couple grand. It was a really expensive retreat. It was a winter retreat and it really scared me for hosting my next retreat, my Hawaii retreat. And I almost didn't want to host a retreat again because that was so painful and it had, there's so much stress that goes into it. But something in me when I thought of Hawaii lit up and got so excited that without even thinking, this definitely happened in the unconscious, I booked the second retreat house and now I was out money and had to host this retreat. And I'll tell you, I booked it a year for a year in advance, which is the farthest I've ever planned a retreat in advance. I did it because I was scared from my Montana retreat. I wanted to give myself time. I also needed to recuperate. And I'll tell you, most of this year, my brain wanted so badly to fall into the story that I was going to lose money on this retreat, that I wouldn't sell it for a lot of months, or I would just keep telling myself that. And this retreat is that was actually very slow to sell. And I didn't think I was going to make money. And I was almost settling with the fact of not making money until I realized what I was doing. And I was like, Rachel, learn the lesson from the previous retreat. Like, this is your chance to rise above and not think that way again. And to realize it was your thinking that made you not make money on that retreat to begin with because you're doing the same questioning you're doing now. And the second I opened myself up to the possibility, this is my chance to overcome a loss I had and prove to myself that I can sell out an expensive retreat. Because the reason I lost money in Montana is because it was an expensive retreat. 
Hawaii was doubly very expensive retreat. And I almost settled and gave up. And then I opened myself up again. And I now I'm making, I make money on this retreat, even though it was so expensive. And I can't tell you what that does for your confidence. I can't tell you what that does for your self-trust when you are doubting yourself for so long and you see yourself falling into a story and then you tell yourself, "Uh uh-uh, that's not going to happen. And then you actually overcome it. That's when that confidence comes in. That's when self-trust comes in. And so even the times when you lose, if you can come back and face it again, I think that's the best gift you can give yourself in life. 100%. I'm so proud of you too. Like guys, like I've hosted retreats. I know how fucking crazy they are. And I thought I was big shit for hosting on an Island that was 20 miles off the coast of Massachusetts. Okay. This girl's hosting one in fucking Hawaii. She's not skimping at all. Like you went all the fuck out. Like, I mean, this retreat is unbelievable. And I think you have, what is it? One spot left for anyone listening to this. Yeah. If they want to sign up. You got one, one spot yeah, left. I- yeah. This is November 11th, so I don't know when this is. No, this is coming up next week, so it'll be out on the Thursday, uh, six days from the 9th. It'll be out on the 9th, Mm -hmm. so uh, if anyone wants to... Yeah, it's a women's retreat. Uh, so even if you're like me with long hair, you're not going to be allowed. Okay, it's straight women. All right, but you know we, we and uh, me and Eddie Madden, because uh, you're hosting it with Shira, um, who's been on the podcast before. Shira Brenner, she's amazing. You know, me and my buddy Eddie Madden, Eddie Date Shira, we were joking about like we'll go there and crash it. Now, in no way did we actually mean we we're going to go crash it, but it was this funny joke we've been playing. Like I got long hair, I'll, I'll make it work. You know, I'll wear a dress if I need to, whatever. You know, and so. It's really amazing, babe. I'm so proud of you for that. Like, you know, again, like this is like, this is, I think what makes our relationship so strong. It's one of the many things. There's many things, but the fact that like both of us are senderos. So like, I know what it's like to fully send something. You know what it's like to fully send something. So if you're in a rut, right? Like you've been from this retreat, like before in the past and things like that. I can help you out of it. And then when I'm in a rut, you're like, remember who the fuck you are, man. You've done other hard shit. This is just another thing, right? This is a small step in a series of many steps you're going to take in your life. Like, don't get so focused on the now that you make it bigger than it actually has to be, you know? Yeah. Our relationship is the, okay, out of every relationship I've had in my life, and I'm not just talking romantic, I'm talking literally any relationship I've had, friendship, relationship, acquaintance, someone from afar, <laughs> like that I'm admiring out of all of the relationships. The relationship I have with you, Bub, is the one where I have grown so fucking much, like the most. And I really, it, it is Bersenderos, or I really think it's because me and you are both so resilient and we're both similar in that way. And what I've been really coming to find is resilience and resourcefulness. The two R's are the keys to you living your most co- most confident, happy, successful, empowered life. Because, you know, if I fell into the trap of, oh, no, I lost money in the last retreat. Fuck this. I don't want to do it. Like, it's uncomfortable. Like, fuck. Like, all these things. If I didn't have that resilience to overcome it and come back and the resourcefulness to prove myself wrong, because you got to be resourceful to prove yourself wrong, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I really, you have the same thing. You're resilient and you're resourceful. And so that's where I see, like, if you can cultivate those two things, if you can find someone in your life who maybe cultivates it and you don't like that will help you cultivate it. Or if you find someone in your life 
who maybe you have it and someone doesn't have it, like you can help them have it. You can transfer it to other people. I actually think me and you both started off that way. And that's why together we're just like on a rocket ship because yes. it just makes it even more intense, but it is huge. The people you spend your most time with, like if I was in a different relationship, me and you might not be here. Like I think mm-hmm. about that all the time. I might not have hosted any of these retreats, probably wouldn't have done coaching, probably wouldn't have found the community I have now. Don't settle in relationship. And like I say that because I also never thought that I would, I never really believed in love and I never thought that I would have a relationship like this. I never thought relationships like this existed. I was very into, oh, this is comfortable. It's good enough. Like this is how love is, but it's not mm-hmm. like love can be your biggest growth of your life. And so don't settle in friendship or relationship. That's like my whole thing. That's why I host these retreats is I'm like, I've, I really like, this is so important. Like, it's so important. Go to retreats, surround yourself with people who want better. If you have a boyfriend who's doesn't give two shits about growth and you're growing or has all these excuses why they're not growing or a girlfriend or vice versa, it's okay to put yourself first. In fact, you putting yourself first and you imagining where you could be by honoring yourself, even though it feels so freaking scary if you are in a relationship that this issue is going on. I actually have a client who I just talked to about this, which is why I'm so passionately talking about this right now, because we've been working together for like five months and she's been growing and her boyfriend has not. And it's getting to a point where she came to me today and said, I mentioned breaking up to him like the first time and they've been together for, she started dating him when she was 19 and now she's 28. So Mm. like 10 years. Mm. Um, and those are like the hardest things to leave. But I think that also goes into taking the risk and get reaping the reward is the relationships that um, you it, it's respecting yourself in relationship and respecting your future in relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, the best part about it, like you might tell that person like, hey, I'm getting ready to leave you. And all of a sudden they're like, holy shit. And they, it makes it real for them. And then all of a sudden you have this dynamic that you never thought you could have with that person. And they, five years later are like, oh my God, thank you so much. If you hadn't really put the fire into my ass, I wouldn't have changed at all. Right? Like you never know what's going to happen, but getting to have the faith that whatever happens is meant to happen is like, and again, I can't prove this to anyone listening. I can't show you a scientific study with quantitative data that if you do, and you have faith in life, things will work out. But I can tell you that every single successful person I've ever met, and by success, I do not mean monetary. I do not mean rich people. I I mean truly successful people, people that go to bed every night fulfilled, not without challenges, but they know that they're living life on their terms. Every single one of them has faith in the process. So correlation equaling causation, I don't know what you tell me, but I know what I choose to believe based on what allows my experience of life to thrive. And for me, I'm here to fucking thrive. I'm not here to survive. I know why I'm here. I know what I'm doing. And you know what? At the end of the day, when things come up, when challenges come up, I'm going to push through them and I'm going to keep on going because I like to think of myself like the energizer fucking bunny, right? Like, you know, I believe, I choose to believe that I am here. I have a unique set of fingerprints that will never walk the planet again. And for everyone listening, you are the exact same thing. I am nothing special. We all are here with a unique set of fingerprints that will never walk the planet again. And we'll never be able to have our unique magic that each one of us brings to the world. It is our obligation and duty and responsibility to bring that magic out. Because what I say 
on this podcast might not resonate with someone who's someone listening to this podcast right now who wants to start a podcast, but they're kind of like, I don't know yet. If you decide to start that podcast, you might be able to reach someone that would never listen to me and vice versa, right? And same with your podcast, right? And all the things we do, like you never know what the ripple effect of what you say is going to be. But at the end of the day, you got to do what feels right to you. You got to do what's burning out of you. Because if you don't like, hey, listen, you're going to die someday. What are you going to do in between now and then? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. That's why don't settle in anything in life. Don't settle with relationships. Don't settle with your job. Don't settle with like the people in your life. And if you're like, if when I say that, everything in your body locks up and you feel stuck and you have no idea how to get out of it, it's okay. Take some breaths and reach out to one of us. You know, I, my coach always says there's always a way to yes. And it can be really hard to find the way out when you're in the same level of thinking that you're currently in. And if you're around the same people and in the same environment that you're currently in, so get yourself around different people, get yourself in a new environment. Um, my coach talks about this all the time too, where Jesse Itzler, when he was broke as a joke, he would go to the Four Seasons and he would just like sneak in and he would order a salad and he would drink water because that's all he could afford. And it was just to be around in, in an environment with wealthy people. So being around wealthy people, not, it doesn't necessarily need to be talking to them. Maybe it's listening to them, observing them, just being in their energy. I mean, and now he's like, makes millions of dollars. Like he's huge. And so really it's just, you can even do this on your own at home. If you go to a certain coffee shop every day, can you go to one that's maybe a fancier one or one where you know that you would go in five years when you have millions of dollars or what you would do then and go there and get in that energy and just start talking to those people. You know, me and you, Ryan, in the beginning of pan the pandemic, we got really lucky because we started talking to really high level people who scared the shit out of us because we weren't anywhere close to where they are in the coaching <laughs> world. But we went and talked to them anyways. And now they're our best friends. Now it's like not even scary at all. But what, what mm -hmm. I do see for myself now, is is like okay well now how do i get into the ring with the next level of people like not mm -hmm. to say the people we're at with right now aren't great they can come too but no, they're they're looking to come like that that like yeah. literally we're all doing it together like that's the coolest yeah. part is like we have that healthy amount of competition where it's not actually competition but it's inspiration right like you get that or like someone wants a seat on a podcast guest that i know i'm like dude i'll help you out right and then later on i'm like oh i want this one they're like dude i know that person and i'm like this is fucking cool right like Anyone that you look up to that is really successful and once again, fulfilled, has a great family, has great relationships in their life, they did not get there alone. Somewhere along the way, they learned to ask for help. They learned to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I don't know what I need to know to get to the next level. And I'm doing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And that is what separates good people from great people. And I don't mean that in like a judgmental way, but I mean that in the sense of like, if you want to settle right in your life, cool, you'll be good right? Like you might do some amazing stuff, yada, yada. But if you want to help the entire world, right? Just with your message, if you want to like, if you want to reach more people, if you really want to like make a difference in the world, if you want to be remembered as someone who like gave it their all, someone who was always there for the people that loved them in their lives, things like that. It's really important that you ask for help when you need it. Because I'll tell you one thing, I did not get where I am without asking for a lot of help. 
I work with coaches. I have business mentors. And by no means have I got it all figured out. Right. Like, you know, I was just talking the other night about how we're starting to work with this guy, Jason Skizik, because, you know, one of the reasons why I'm putting a stop to this podcast right now is because I've been realizing that I'm burning the candle at both fucking ends. Right. And that was okay for a certain amount of time. But now I've gotten enough stuff out there. I've made enough content that I know my direction now. And so he was immediately like, hey, man, uh, you know how hard you are to get in contact with? Yeah, that shouldn't be happening at this point. There's a certain point where you get to like, say, a Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk level where you might be busy a lot, but you also have eight assistants or more than that that are handling a lot of the scheduling and whatnot. Like, you know, it's it's okay to have all gas, no breaks in the beginning and buckshot yourself out there to like a bunch of things and try a bunch of stuff. But eventually you got to reel that in. And it was in me asking for help when I realized what he did and what we were looking for, me and Alex, that I realized, like, if I didn't ask for that, I would have just kept burning the candle at both ends and having no fucking time to do anything. I mean, you know, we're very similar in that respect, but you know how much, like, sometimes I'm, like, working until midnight, like, five nights in a row or working weekends and all that stuff. And, yeah, there is a certain amount of that that's necessary. But it's a very fine line to walk because you can get addicted to that. And that was definitely what was happening to me, is getting addicted to the being the hard worker when in reality, hard work is not going to get you everywhere you need to go. Smart work is going to actually get you where you need to go and being able to go back and forth. Like, okay, let's say I have a plan. I'm making a new course. Okay, cool. Let's make a two week sprint. And I'm going to work hard during that two week sprint. When that two week sprint is over. Okay. Let me relax again and rejuvenate and then get ready for the next sprint that's coming in sometime in the future. But it's so important to be able to understand this stuff. And you don't know unless you ask for help and you'll never, you know, you'll never get the help unless you ask for help. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And one thing I will add, if anyone's listening to this and you have a lot of social anxiety and this feels terrifying to you and you can't even get out of your own way to do this, I had a lot of social anxiety growing up too. In fact, that's one of the biggest things that I've healed over the last few years. And it's just about what's a small way you can reach out to someone. Can you go into a group and like practice speaking more? Do you know someone like me or you could go into Ryan's ceremony circle and just start showing up and just like talking once and talking with some of the people in there and starting small and starting in ways that feel more safe to you. You know, I actually find this is really interesting. I find that some people are more comfortable being themselves online and that's like a good gateway to opening yourself up to new people. And then some people are better at being themselves in person. And I say that because I'm better, like in person is much easier for me online. Like, I don't know why I it's something that like I'm constantly working on is okay, Rachel, how do you act like a normal human online? I don't what know. What do I do with my hands? So easy. I'm podcast. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I, yeah. I use my hands so much. If I'm typing, I'm like, how do I talk with my hands? That's half the way I talk. Like no one can see me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned the ceremony circle because that's one of the reasons I started it. You know, I'm like, I know that not everyone can afford to hire a coach right now. So if my only job was to make money, that wouldn't really fire me up. Like, yes, we all need to pay our rent. I all, we all have things we want. We have houses we want and things we want because we want to go live a certain life. But at the end of the day, I do this shit because I fucking love it. And if someone can't afford to join one of my programs, that doesn't mean that I don't want to help them. It means that I have an opportunity for them to show up and prove to me like, hey, if you show up to the ceremony circle and you have questions, I will fucking answer them for you. I will give you the exact same treatment I give a client because that's what I love doing the most. And there was a gentleman recently, I won't mention his name just in case he doesn't want it out there, but a guy recently, he reached out to me and Alex and Phil and was like, listen, I'm in really, I'm in a really bad spot right now. I really need some help. And so 
I was like, perfect, dude. Hop on the ceremony circle, download the conscious cannabis guide, and let's hop on a call. Like I gave him a free call because you know what? I could, I could see that he was dedicated, that he really wanted the shit. And you know what? When we had that call, every single thing I told him to do, he has done. And he showed up to every single ceremony call since he's a gangster, right? And I know that kid is going to crush it, right? And I helped him really tune into some of his gifts that he already had. I didn't bring these. I didn't make these gifts for him, right? Like he already had this gift for writing. He already had this amazing story of going through a lot of challenges in his life. And I helped him see like, dude, like part of the reason he was in a bad spot was because he was looking at his challenges happening to him. And I was like, bro, like the challenges you've gone through are not challenges I've gone through. So in order for you to like, if you want to help people, you're going to be able to help different people than I'm able to help because they're not going to listen to me. People that are like, I haven't gone through those challenges. So people going through that challenge, they're going to be like, yeah, what does Ryan know about that? He's never gone through that versus this guy. They're going to be like, oh, you've actually gone through that. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm buying what you're selling. And so like, seriously, guys, like this is why I do these podcasts. This is why I have the ceremony circle. If you're someone who's like, listen, uh, money's a thing for me. Cool. Show up at the ceremony circle. I'm here to help you. That's what I love, right? Like we both do that stuff, right? Like when we're at the lake house or when we're traveling, like I'm down for it to help anyone in any way I can, right? So long as you're going to show me that you're going to make use of what I give you, right? And who you are, right? Like, because if someone hits me up, I've had people throughout the past that have done this they hit me up, they ask me something. I'm like, Hey, um, here's what to do. You want to hop on a call? It's completely complimentary. I always give a free call first to make sure we vibe well. And then they hit me up a month later with the same question. I give them the same advice. A month later, same question. I'm like, this isn't fun for me. And I'm not going to stay in something that's not fun for me. So if you are going to prove it to me, I will gladly help you 100% because that's what fills me up. The money, like I said, is one thing. It helps me continue doing this, but it's not the only thing I'm in this for. I'm in this because I get such a fucking high seeing people break through the limiting, limiting patterns, seeing them break through the fucking shitty stories they have. Like that shit fires me up and it inspires me. And that is reciprocity. So if I can get on a call with someone, regardless if they're paying me, that can charge me up the same way I'm charging them up, I'm good. I, I love that shit. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe community is so important for everyone. And I really think that's the theme of this whole mm -hmm. conversation we're having is, you know, the people you surround yourself with can help you either be, can help you be more resourceful and resilient in general, period. You step up to the level of person that you reach out to. So I think ceremony circle is so amazing that you do that. Like, I love that. That's why I hosted the goddess mind because I, it's so important to be around people who are continuously, you know, see, like really seeing you, like seeing you for who you are, mm -hmm. not your shitty stories that you tell yourself. Exactly. And people that are willing to tell you, Hey, I'm not going to take what you're saying about yourself as accurate truth. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to play the victim with you and say, Oh, poor you. You know, it's so upsetting that you had those things happen to you. Right. Like I want people around me that are like, that's bullshit, dude. Um, you're not that person unless you want to be that person. So are you going to choose to keep being the victim? Or are you actually going to do something about it? Like, I want people around me that are going to call me on my shit because sometimes I don't know when I'm in the shit and I need someone to call me on it. So I know, and I can catch it and I can get myself out of there. And for everyone listening, this is a, this is a, um, a saying that has really been hitting me a lot recently. Your mess becomes your mission. So whatever challenges you're going through right now are exactly the things you can help someone else with. And, you know, coaching is this thing, guiding, mentoring, all these things, right? 
that might be looked at if you were like me when I got into this is like, oh, there's only certain people that can be coaches. Now, there might be certain people that, you know, only certain people that want to like create a business out of coaching. But what is more human nature than one human helping another human feel more safe in his or her experience of life? There is nothing more human nature than that. So whether or not you want to be a coach or guide, or you just want to be someone that lends a hand every once in a while, it doesn't fucking matter what name is on it, right? Like we all have that ability to pump each other up. And that is what friends are really for. That's what community is for. And that's why I'm so grateful that I have you in my life, that I have all the people in my life, including everyone listening to this episode right now and the podcast and supporting me and all this stuff. Because if I didn't have you guys, I wouldn't be here right now. You know, every time someone DMs me and they say, hey, thanks for that message, it really helped. That's like, that means the world to me. Because like I say all the time, I don't know when I put this stuff out who it's going to resonate with. I have no fucking clue, right? I'm just on here vulnerably speaking about my experience and hoping that at least one person hears it and goes, fuck yeah, I'm in a limiting story. I'm going to kick that shit to the curb. I'm going to ask for help and I'm going to fucking propel myself to wherever I want to go in my life. Because at the end of the day, I'll say it again, right? You're going to die at some point, but all that matters is what you're going to do in between now and then. And so Ray, this has been amazing. We could go for hours. We're going to do more of these. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they find out more about the goddess mind, the goddess getaway? One spot left. You got to do it by Wednesday or Thursday next week, or it's going to be closed off. It's an amazing experience. Rachel's doing incredible stuff with incredible people. You can go there and meet so many amazing people, be plugged into an incredible circle that are not just people you meet at the retreat and you go home with, but they become lifelong friends. And I know this because that's what we did. And these people are lifelong friends. I now shoot AK-47s with Mark England, who I randomly heard on the podcast three years ago with you in the cultivation room decided to make a post on Facebook one day, tagged him in it, not thinking anything of it. He reached out to me because he saw something in me and then he did not settle for my shitty story. When I was like, I don't know if I can be a coach. I don't know. Like he was like, bullshit, dude, you're a coach. So take my program and I'm not going to take no for an answer. And I was like, okay. And I did it. And now we're best friends. And so where can people find you? Where can they connect with you and plug into your world? Okay. I also want to reiterate that, yeah, if you want to know like how to get in the circle of other people who are where you want to be, or you don't have any like-minded friends, retreats are the place to go or coaching programs, but those aren't necessarily designed for you to connect and share vulnerably and like really form relationships. Retreats are built to form relationships. They're built to get you in a new environment. They're get they're built to get you in a new environment for life because now you have new support for life. You know, the last, every retreat I've hosted, like the women there have gone on to do like partner together in, in business and put new things out. Like I see people travel to meet each other. They meet each other gifts. It, the relationships go so, so deep. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at Rachel underscore Veritimos. Um, and in there I have my link tree. So I have the info for the goddess getaway Hawaii, which is going to be my most extravagant getaway that I, I'm going to say ever do for the time being, but it might be years down the line that I do that again. It was just a lot or, you know, stretched myself, <laughs> made it success. We're great. We don't need to do that again. But if you want to go to Hawaii, if you want one that a getaway, a retreat that is actually a third longer than my normal ones and is going to change your fucking life then come to Hawaii. That registration coast closes on 11, 11. Uh, and then I do one-on-one coaching and then the goddess mind, you know, Ryan, I didn't tell you this, but I was going to put it on again and I actually might hold it off because something in my body just doesn't feel ready to 
host it in the time frame that I said I wanted to host it in. And I've been learning to listen to those little breadcrumbs from my soul. So that's what I'll say about the goddess mind for now or putting a pin in it until something in my body tells me it's a fuck yes again. And uh, that that's where you can find me. Beautiful. And like I said, guys, you know, like Rachel said, the whole theme of this podcast has been trusting yourself, reaching out for help when you need it. And there's no fucking excuse, right? The biggest objection I get when people are, you know, telling me their shitty stories is I don't have the money to do it, right? Well, you have a free group you can join. So bullshit to your excuses, right? So if you need help, get in the ceremony circle, reach out to Rachel. We're here to help. And that's what we love the most. So I love you guys. Thank you for the continued support. Like I said in the last episode, this is going to be the final episode for season one. It's not goodbye. It's just simply see you later, right? Don't worry, guys. Highly optimized is not going anywhere. But right now, I want to focus on this one time on psychedelics. You can find that on Spotify. And really what I'm doing with that podcast is I'm taking the best elements of highly optimized, including the hero's journey people have gone on, their tips for living an optimized life, and I'm putting it into the psychedelic paradigm. Because most of the people that come on here have connected with the plant medicine at one point in their life, yet they're not a lazy stoner. Yet they're not just sitting on their mom's couch doing nothing. They're actually doing something that's completely smashing the archetype of what a psychedelic user has been told to us for the last 80 years. And so hop in there and help us smash that stereotype, have us completely revolutionize what a psychedelic user acts like, does in life, you know, has in their life, etc. And so I love you guys. It's not goodbye. It's just simply see you later. See you next time. Love you. Peace. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show and I'm wishing you the best day ever.